I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Years before Beyonce and Rihanna were born, Tina Turner was selling out stadiums around the world as the first black female rock and roll star. And it's no secret, I am one of her biggest fans. Tina Turner is one of the greatest role models for women of any generation. Every note she sings declares, I am here, I will not be broken. Today, at 73 years old, Tina Turner says, life really is simply the best. This summer, Tina married her longtime partner of nearly 30 years, and I was fortunate enough to be there, to be a part of that big day. I'm in the south of France, where Mr. and Mrs. Irvin Bach have been enjoying their honeymoon. We're at the most elegant Grand Hotel du Cap Ferrat, one of the finest hotels in the world. Hi, everybody. Hi. Oh, my God. Look at you. You are the role model for the 21st century. Oh, thank you, Oprah. You make me feel very good before this interview. Oh, my God. Look at this. You look fantastic. Good God, girl. (laughs) Good God, girl. So this is one of your honeymoon places. I know you've been someplace else for the honeymoon. Yes, this this is a part of my honeymoon. But as everyone says, Oprah knows how to pull you out of retirement and the honeymoon, even. So here we are. Okay, so you've been on honeymoon for a week, and I wanted to ask, is there something you need to share with us? Are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? (laughs) (laughs) That's what one of my girlfriends said. Now, don't go start having children. (laughs) So I thought I knew you pretty well. And then when I heard it announced that you were going to get married... I literally did. I literally went, what? (laughs) (laughs) And for what? And for what? And for what? Can you answer that question? There comes a time in life, and as everyone knows, I'm 73 years old. You must put things in place. First, I started consolidating, getting rid of property. Yeah. I got rid of a house in France, a property in America. Yeah. I, I say, made a situation for my sons. Yeah. Anything that was costly, I totally got rid of. Yeah. And then the next thing I found that if something happened in death for me, which Irvin and I weren't married before now, he would have no say. And I thought it was a bit unfair to live with someone for as long as we are and not to give him any say. Yeah. Tina and Urban met in Cologne, Germany in 1986. At the time, Urban was a record executive and picked Tina up at the airport before a concert. Despite a 16-year age difference, Tina says she felt instant attraction. So Urban and I had talked about marriage before because he said to me, didn't he ask you when you were 50? 50, When I was 50 years old, he asked me if I would marry with him. Oh, I was so cute, but he was much younger than us. And I simply said, I don't have an answer. Because it wasn't yes and it wasn't no. So we talked about marriage. He said, we have to do something because if something happens to me, you can't get my money. And I said, okay. (laughs) 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 I I kind of thought like marriage says ownership. You are my wife. You are my. And I didn't want that my anything anymore. I'd had enough of that from 
growing up with, you know, with my family and that situation, I just didn't want it hands and control anymore. Yeah. Which I didn't think that Irvin would, but he might have, because psychologically, that that law changes people's minds yeah. about that has been know, the thing it, for you me. You have to do certain things now because you are my wife. Well, yes, and also this that what happens is is that people, I think, traditional men feel like the word wife means yes. something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. And I noticed you had these at the wedding, like fans for everybody, which was great. Yeah. You know, sometimes in a restaurant you'll see a really lady dressed very nice and she picks up a menu or something. A little fan is always a little, a little bit nicer. A little fan is a little just, nicer. Just a little it? nicer. Oh, I love just keep this. a little one. <laughs> I love this. A little fan is always a little nicer. You planned every detail of that wedding. That was one of the most spectacular weddings I'd ever seen. More than 200 friends and family members joined Tina and Irvin at their Swiss estate, Chateau Algonquin. Just as Tina envisioned, the wedding was magical, with personal touches from her everywhere. When it's love you give, I'll be a man of good faith. Tina's longtime friend, Canadian rocker Brian Adams, performed his classic song, All for Love, as the couple walked down the aisle. All for one and all for love. Pink Armani flower girl dresses were just the most magnificent I've ever seen. And one of my favorite details, a stunning wall of roses created by celebrity florist Jeff Latham. Well, I knew it was something going on when the wedding invitation requested that all the guests wear white, because normally you never wear white to a wedding. That's what everyone so, said. Yes, yes, so I knew that you must have been coming up with something spectacular. <laughs> you and Giorgio Armani, that, yeah. that dress was something, I, t I have to tell you. Do you have a favorite moment from that day? The day of the wedding? Yes, do you have a favorite moment? Okay, I have to tell you, because I started to plan it January and I had really gotten tired. I was tired of thinking about it. <laughs> I was tired of waiting for the day. I wanted to get in the car and go to Italy before it's time. <laughs> and then I said to Irvin, I said, you know what, darling? I'm gonna miss all of that. I won't see it. So then he, he started to think for me. So he said, you know what? If we get a place in the house where you can sit and peek and look, watch people coming in. So no, your favorite memory is looking out the window and watching us all come in? So I stood in the window and I had it open just enough and you could see my face reacting to certain people. Some I was laughing at. <laughs> Step in, and some was awesome. Those ladies' dresses were yes. Beautiful. Everybody looks so yes. beautiful. Yes, you know what was very interesting about it, and I was so absolutely honored to be there. And I, I said at one point, this feels like the Great Gatsby for real. And it also, anybody who's been in an experience like that, you feel elevated by the experience. That's what you I feel meant. elevated by the experience. It really you know, was. I am rock and roll. I cannot envision performing any other kind of way. But the other side of me is that elegance. And that's what I wanted for that day. It was not about my career, or play my music, or to wear hot, funky clothes. Yeah. It was to wear the best I could be. Yeah. And that I wanted my, uh, my garden, my house, and my guests to be the best they could be. Wow. And they were. And they were. 
In 2009, when music legend Tina Turner took her final bow, that curtain closed on one of the most storied careers in music history. After half a century, eight Grammys, and nearly 200 million albums sold, the queen of rock and roll had left the building. Tell me, you were 69 the last tour. Yes. You put away the Louboutins. You're the only human being I know. That wore the red sole shoes. That was up there with the red sole shoes before we knew what red sole shoes That's were. That's right. Yes. Okay, so you put that away. How hard was that to, to hang yes. up the shoes? Oprah, my friend, very easy. Really? I've been working towards that for so long, Oprah. I worked hard all my life. You Nobody gave me ever a thing. And I, when I started to take care of my family, I would say, Oh, I wish someone would do that for me. And I knew that it wouldn't happen, so I worked. And when that happened, that means I balanced my money. I, I had to make sure that financially that I could do it. Mm -hmm. And when I left there, I put it to rest. I put it to sleep. I, I tried to forget all of those stressful moments. Even in the dressing room, not feeling like going on stage, whenever it's time for me to be Tina, something turned. And that's that professional side. And I became, no matter what I felt or how sick I was or aching toe or leg, I did it because I wanted to leave that stage knowing that everybody had a wonderful time. And again, I believe that's what happened. Again, every time I've seen you perform, and I've seen you perform more than anybody else on earth, I remember standing in Houston with a woman who was crying and said, I now know I can do anything <laughs> just from watching you on stage. And that's what you wanted every that's time. What I wanted. And I got yeah. letters saying, It was more than singing, more than more. a rock and roll star. I didn't know how my style of work on stage could give people hope and make them go out and make it happen for themselves. And all of the mail that came in to me said, after seeing your show, I went out and I made my life happen. Yeah. And that is what I achieved. Yeah, that is what you achieved. That is what you achieved. So the night in Sheffield, England, when you knew that that was going to be the last performance, was it bittersweet at least? No. Oprah, now this... I have to be careful how I say this because the, the public will get it wrong. When you've waited for something decades, I went back out, the Icantina days were over where I was a slave. I had to go back and slave again for myself. Yeah. And that whole time- To make more, because to, to have more, enough money to yes, secure yes, your life. Yes, yes, to take care of family. Yeah. And to take care of responsibilities and all of my yeah. charities and all of, I mean, you have to get yourself in that position so you don't worry about it. Yeah. I wanted to retire and not worry. Yeah. And that is what that tour did for me. So I got to my goal. I received that moment, a revelation of this is it. I'm going home now. Whoa. I was going home in a big way, more than just a house. I was going back to a place where I had decided in my last stage of my life where I want to be. Yeah. No one ever knew on stage how much I really was tired of singing and dancing. You were tired of it? It's work. I, I know it's work. But it's something when you do all of your life. Yes. Every night, that's all you do. It, you, you know, everyone is having a good time. You're up there working. Yeah. Uh, it just was years and years of work. And oh, again, the body had started to react on working on high blood pressure. Yeah. I was taking medication, which pulled me back. I didn't have, I couldn't get into that second gear to... Yeah. To, to fly. Is that what would happen to you on stage? It feels surreal. It was the second gear. The first few seconds was, you know, the look and everything. 
And then the second song, I started to perspire, and I was losing the beauty, but that wasn't important then because I knew I already had my audience. And then I made the first costume change, second gear. I went for it. Third gear, that was when I changed the clothes the last time, got on that crane, and went out to the people. And that was it. So it started to become harder. I couldn't hit my notes. Damn it, I wanted to hit those notes. And I had to really fake those notes somehow, you know, uh -huh. but I managed it. It took every drop of energy and life out of me. Afterwards, I took a hot bath and just laid. And then I would eat. And it would take really until the next evening for me to restore that energy back. So I did nothing but that so that I could complete, continue. Yeah. yeah. So everyone thought because it was so, you were so believable on stage. Effortless. It looked effortless. It's not that I didn't enjoy it, Oprah. I enjoyed that. Mm -da -da, mm -hmm. You know, whenever I got to certain songs like Simply the Bass or Proud Mary mm -hmm. or What's Love Got to Do With It, there were certain key songs, but there were certain songs in between that worked me a little bit harder to get to those ones. My idea is still, if I ever go back for any reason in any way, I will have to create another way that will get people to accept it because no one ever wants to see Tina do performance any other way than that. Right. Well, you can't add 100 or 80 or 90. Yes. So I don't think they would accept me standing in a wonderful gown singing. That's not me. Yeah. I might but every now and then, I always love that point, point where, you, where we get to Proud Mary, which is always one of my favorite moments yes. where you say, but, every now and then we want to do something nice and easy. easy. Right. Yeah. But uh, I like to do it nice. Rough. <laughs> <laughs> that was always a pleasure because then it was just me and my girls being naughty, as naughty as we wanted to be. Did your performances excite even you when you would look at the tape? Yes, yes, yes still now that... when I watch it with people, I'm on the edge of my seat. Really? Yes, 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 it's, it, it's... Nothing like it. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. What did it feel like out on that crane? It felt so good because I saw all of those faces that you don't see on stage, you only see a few. Yeah. But when I was over them, it was so rewarding to give myself to them. They saw me with their own eyes and not on a screen. That's what I did for myself and for them. When I went out there, I went to them. How does singing take you beyond? During my time, when you sing, and mine was singing and dancing, you fly, you, you, you move away from everything that is real. You are into something that's, that's coming out of you, a note or a song or a note or a feeling and you get totally wrapped into that and with the motion of that in the dancing and the singing, it's like flying because you're not thinking of eating or sleeping or dressing. The song and the singing totally takes you out. Tina Turner has always said her brutal 16-year marriage to Ike Turner was actually much worse than portrayed in the film What's Love Got to Do With It? Now, just to look at your life up until the time you were able to escape, really, a kind of, you were in a slavery. It was hell. It was hell. But what I want to say to the public is, my struggle started inside of my mother's womb. I suffered all the way from childhood right up until the end of Ike. Mm. And what kept me on course was me. Something I was born with, I believe that I was born with keeping in touch with Staying on track because I always prayed. Mm -hmm. You know you what I mean? Prayed. Yeah, yeah. Anna Mae Bullock was born in 1939 in tiny Nutbush, Tennessee. Her parents, Floyd and Zelma, 
had a volatile relationship and split up when Anna Mae was 10. She was about to leave him when she found out that she was pregnant with me. And the fighting had already started. But what I liked about her, she fought back. What I remember about them, when they fought, there was no him standing over her. She was a fiery woman. But you grew up watching your father beat up I, your mom. I watched them fight. You watched them fight. No, not him beat her up. I never saw him win. She fought with sticks of wood and everything. I mean, she was really feisty. But the bottom line is, she didn't want to have another baby. She didn't want to have an, and I knew it. So I kind of grew up. So you were that baby that she didn't want. I was want. that baby. I didn't know what love was as a young child. But I was born independent. I left a good job Down in the city. By 18 years old, Anna Mae's life changed forever when Ike Turner, the lead singer of the popular St. Louis band Kings of Rhythm, brought her on stage and handed her a microphone. I was worried about the way that things might have been. Ike knew he had found a star and charmed Anna's mother into letting her join the band. When we were talking alone last week, so if you don't want to talk about it, you just tell me you don't want to talk about it. And I ask you, do you remember the first time I hit you? And you told me the first time. Do you feel comfortable telling people yeah, that? Yeah. Okay, okay. We didn't talk about it. When I recorded the song, A Fool in Love, I took it to New York, Juggy Mary of Sue Records. He said, why don't you keep it with the girl's voice? I like it. And then I, you know, he hadn't considered that. So then uh, Ike's problem was he was a musician that always wanted to be a star and was a star locally, but never internationally to travel. So he then changed the name to Ike and changed my name to Tina because if I ran away, Tina was his name. It was patent as you call it. So, so, so he could own you. So he could own me. Are you smart? He was an educated smart man, but he has a common sense and a, and a really strategy and con. So he owned you? Yes. He owned so he came back. I didn't even know that that was the name on the record. And so I started to feel something, and he started to touch me. I really didn't like it because that was my brother. That was my friend. Actually, maybe I wouldn't have been here today if we had not if I had not gotten a relationship with him because we were very close as friends. So you weren't even his girlfriend? That's no, the point I no, want everybody to know. It was just control. I had sex with everybody around him over, everybody's wife. So then I said to, to the woman that was helping him at the time, I said, I don't, I don't want to do this. I knew how Ike was. He had beat, yeah. he always fought. He always fought women, men, everybody. And my instincts told me I was moving into something that wasn't going to be good. And so she went in and told Ike. Yeah, so then he said, she said, Ike, want to see you. So I went into his room, and he started that. He had a, a sick way, I found. And he started it with, what are you trying to do to me? Yeah. And then the next thing, he would pick up something, because, you know, if you play guitar, you can't fight and play the guitar, so he always fought with something. Yeah. And then against the, against the head, always the head, with a shoe stretcher. And I had never the been wooden beaten. The wooden shoe a stretcher? A wooden shoe stretcher. Yeah. And it really hurt, but I was still trying to figure out what was happening. Mm -hmm. And then, so then the, the beating came. You know, yes, you are, you'd like all the rest. And I was down by then, really starting to cry. And then he said, get in bed. Oh, that was really awful. Have sex after this? You no, know, I hate you. How can I let you, how can we make love now if it's love? Yeah and went through that, and then I laid there with a swollen head, just having sex. 
feeling like you have really gotten yourself into something. I had nowhere to go. I had a child. I had already a, yeah. a child from one of the musicians. I had nowhere to run. I needed to make money. I, I wanted to sing to make money. In 1978, Ike and Tina divorced. Tina was left to raise her two sons, one from Ike and one from a previous relationship. She also adopted two of Ike's children as her stepsons. Everybody who's watching this right now, who's living this right now, you told me something that I thought was so, I mean, profound. You said sometimes you'd walk in the kitchen in the morning and he'd say, what's on your mind? Yeah. And you say, nothing. You have to start working on having nothing on your mind. So when he asked you, he would believe that nothing was on your mind. <laughs> I, sometimes now I really laugh. It was really crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. Because how could you not have anything on your mind? You always have something on your mind. Something is always on your mind, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oprah, I'm so happy that I can laugh about my past. Because when I look back, well, actually, to tell you the truth, we did laugh about him a lot while he was alive behind his back because everyone knew that it was ridiculous how he was. Okay, do you remember Robbie Montgomery? Robbie was a support for me in those dark days. Ooh, I might choke up here a little bit. Robbie was like a sister when she was an iCat. You know Miss Robbie Montgomery as the star of the hit show, Welcome to Sweetie Pies. But Miss Robbie got her start as one of the famous iCats, singing back up in the Ike and Tina Turner Review. And times when I didn't have money, Robbie would always loan me money. Really? But, yeah, I had to give it back, but you know, I didn't have my own. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, Robbie knew that I would, but she didn't know how because Ike didn't give me money. Wow. And when Robbie left, ah, uh, I missed her so much. Oh. I don't mean to cry, Robbie, but it just, you know, it comes up. Robbie and I were very close when she was an iCat. In 2007, Ike Turner died from a cocaine overdose. He was 76 years old. Tina did not attend Ike's funeral. I thought it was so appropriate. The world's waiting to hear what you have to say. You said nothing. When he died, was it then finally over for you? You know, over to tell you the truth, it, it was 20 years. I didn't feel anything about whether Ike was alive or dead or at that time. Yeah. He was totally gone in my memory or, or anything. So when I heard he was dead, it was almost like hearing a, a person that I didn't know anymore. This is why you are not just a role model for me. Everybody knows that I'm a big fan, and it's actually difficult to interview somebody when you're as big a fan as I am of you. You're obviously a role model for me. But you are a role model for the world. Because I remember when I was interviewing in 2008, you and Cher in Las Vegas. Yes. And we started talking about aging. Yes. And you were so <sighs> profoundly eloquent. How do you feel, though, about getting older? I have to say that I welcome it with open arms because my, my senior life is so much better than when I was young. Awesome. I am, the, the wisdom, the way I think, um, my attitude towards things. It really, there is a change when you're still healthy and you still look good. Yeah. So your whole outlook changes on everything and you're really happy. You don't mind being 68. The number, number doesn't mean a thing.
You have no regretting of it? Not of death, not in, of any of that. No. All of that is, I, I've done it. You say loudly and proudly yes. that you're 73? Yes. yes. But I am at a stage where, I, Oprah, you can get emotional when you start to talk about that, to be able to get to this stage and say, even when it's time to leave and go to another planet, Yeah. excited about that, because I'm curious. Yeah. I want to know what's... What is it about? Yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody can tell you. Yeah. Because nobody has come back to. So I'm, I'm not excited about to die, but I don't, I don't regret it when it's time for me. I've, I've done what I came here to do. Yeah. Now it's pleasure. I've got great friends. I have a great man in my life. Now I have a great husband. And I'm happy. Yeah. I was speaking to you just before the wedding, and something you said really struck me. You said, I found happiness for myself. You said, Oprah, I found happiness for myself, and I think it's because I desire nothing. It made my eyes water when you first said that. Yes, yes. You desire nothing. How do you get to the space, that's where we're all trying to get to, where you desire nothing? First, it's a journey. You're yeah. born. You go through the journey, and then you leave the journey. Now, how you manage the journey is very, very important. I stayed on track. I stayed on course. Now, why I stayed on course, I had a wish. My wish was to arrive here, where I am today, in this frame of mind, in this physique, in this healthiness, in this, it's a happiness that I never knew that that's what happiness was. I'll try to explain that. You're happier than you ever imagined yourself. Ever before. imagined what happiness was. In the past, happiness was, oh, I bought a dress. Oh, oh, I have this car. And oh, we just bought another house. Or it, just, it was all material things. Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah. There is one when I get up in the morning and I go and sit. I have a, a big chair in my room where I meditate. I sit there to finish waking up. Inside of me is the first is a feeling of, I say, I give thanks for this feeling. It's a feeling comes over you of wellness, of uh, a free, no schedule, nobody bothering you, nothing in the way. Just that moment of you sitting there where you want to be. There is nothing that you want. I have the house. I have the comfort. I have the cars. I have the jewelry. I have the peace of mind. I have the friends. What else is there to want? Sounds like nirvana to me. It sounds like nirvana to me. <laughs> sounds like nirvana to me. Is it true? Are you now a citizen of Switzerland? Yes, I am. I feel totally safe there. I, I like how they live. They lived strictly by a law that they kept from the very beginning. And how I know from the very beginning, because when I went for the interview for the citizenship, citizenship. I had to really learn how the Swiss people are. Yeah, and so you had to take the test as, as people do when they're coming to America. Yes. Tell me about this though. Is there something about being over here, Switzerland in particular, that you feel embraced? I can answer it longer. Okay. I went on tour when I was 69. And you know, I toured in the Icantina days. Yes. And I, I always took the bus. We, we didn't fly by plane only when we had to. And I really looked at the land, you know, seeing it, for years and years by bus and all over. Mm -hmm. And Oprah, I have to say, some kind of way, I felt like I had finished living right. in America. I felt that you'd done it. That I had done it. You know, there was 
not a desire anymore, but I was, maybe it was because I had something, I had lived in Europe and felt something different. And I know that in all that you've done and all that you are, you are also a giver and that you're giving back to the place that really started your beginning, the flag school in Nutbush. What does that mean to you? When Tina was a young girl back in Nutbush, Tennessee, schools were very much segregated. She attended a one-room schoolhouse for black children called Flag Grove School. For the past 45 years, it's been used as a barn. But last year, it was moved to a local museum to be restored. Tina is not only helping with restorations, but the school will now hold treasured memorabilia from Tina's music career. I am uh, getting involved with that school because I feel a part of heritage. Yeah. Legacy. Legacy. Yeah. And what will be ultimately, you think? I think the school is a wonderful legacy, but when you look back at your life and now you're in the nirvana stage of your life, what is the legacy of Tina Turner? Uh, Oprah, I think you and I have to sit over a bottle of red to talk about that one. <laughs> That's a joke. Endurance. You Endurance. know, I endured hardship all the way. If we stay on course, we stay focused, never smoking, never drinking, never doing drugs. My legacy is that I stayed on course from the beginning to the end because I believed in something inside of me. Yeah that told me that it can get better or you can make something better and that I want it better. So my legacy is a person that strived for wanting it better and got it. I love this quote in German Vogue. They said, to let rest the glorious past and try something new is probably one of the most difficult things a living legend can do. You're on the cover of German Vogue. Yes. You're actually, I read, the oldest person they've ever had on the cover of German. They say, Tina landed Vogue at 73. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But to let go of the glorious past and try something new, probably one of the most difficult things a living legend can do. Not true for me. Not true for you. No, because this is my glory days. This, now, you know, people think when you're on stage, that's the glory days, the lights, you know, the clothes, and the... That was not my glory days. These are my glory days. Wow. Okay. I want to talk about when you first saw Urban and what that meant. You know, Oprah, what I think? I really needed love. I just needed to love a person. The feeling of love in a person is very important to have. Yeah. So I walked through the airport, and I, as I got to the door, I was walking out, this really handsome young man stepped out from behind a column. I think he was just coming. Mm -hmm. And he had his arms out, and he said, hello. So what first got me, I stepped back two steps because I didn't know who he was. And also, he was, he, he was another kind of handsome. He was an unusual-looking man. Great eyes. So I got in the car with Irvin, and my heart was poop up already. My hands were wet, and I thought, oh my God, this is love at first sight. It, it was love at first sight. We're gonna bring him in. Let's do that. Irvin! <laughs> Mr. Book! 
put on your smiling wedding present self. <laughs> Be the groom. So I saw you as we were talking about the old days and Ike. I saw you flinching. I saw you drop your head. Is it hard for you to hear? Well, yes. It is. Uh, I didn't read the book. Mm -hmm. You uh, didn't read the book? No. Uh, it's hard to hear and read the past of a person you love yeah. when this comes up. So I always think uh, that Tina one day will erase this, reset this. Yeah. You want it to be done? Yeah, I think that our relationship is now almost 30 years old. Yeah. And I think that our relationship is almost longer in Tina's present yeah. than the previous relationship. So I think it's a time to close the book and close the chapter. And I think after the interview with you, she will. I think so. I think so. Because everything is said. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what is interesting? That you'd ask her to marry, she shared with us, that you'd ask to marry when she turned 50. Twice, yes. Yeah. But you didn't really want to get married then. I think I've heard you say that. No, 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 no. <laughs> the truth is, the truth is that I was trying to show Tina my commitment. Oh, good. You know, I think when a woman turns 50, she should have a commitment from her partner. Yeah. And that's why I proposed and, and asked the question wrong. What'd you say? Well, I said, uh, will, you marry, will you marry with me? <laughs> and, and of course, that was a joke, not in my view. Because to me, it was like, okay, okay, that was a mistake. So uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't so um, into the proper grammar at the time. No, so, it was cute though, darling. But and anyway, so I was committed. I was committed and... Uh, and you wanted her to know it. And I wanted to show this, and so I went down on my knees. I, I never did that before in my life. I was never married before. Yeah. And I had my ring ready, and I had this ready, and I had everything ready. And it could have happened that Tina would have said yes. I didn't know. So she sort of said nothing and then strung you along for 23 years. Yeah, but I mean, that, is, that was okay with me. I, I could read between the lines. Yeah. Because did you feel that once he asked you that, that he was committed to you? Did you feel? No, 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 Oprah. <laughs> no, no, no. Wow. Even though he asked me, I didn't think it was real. I didn't believe him. But you didn't want to say... I didn't want to say no, because I want to continue the relationship. Got it. I got it. Now do you feel married? Do you feel married? It's been a week. I think our, our love relation, our partnership, was upgraded. After 27 years, you either go for it or you don't. Yeah, respect. And so I think that's what... We both looked at each other and we said, should we upgrade it? Should we make it a little bit more legal? Should we make it, it should be. Yeah. And that's basically what we did. Did the age difference ever bother you? No, to me, Tina is not older, Tina's not younger. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's, she's kind of timeless. No, she's not black, she's not white. Yeah. I mean, to me, as a woman I love, and that's it. I mean, I don't have any age-related thoughts. Yeah. Can I ask you this? I know. The moment for all of us sitting at the wedding was when we heard Frank Sinatra's voice and the song started, I did it my way. And that was your wedding march, basically. I did it my way. What was the significance of that? I, I chose the song because when I listened to the words, it was very final and right. he said, and now, Time has come. It's, it's, that's the introduction. Yeah. Something's drawn, the final curtain. Yes. I might cry if I sing it. I like when he said, I bit off 
more than I could chew when I spit it out. It's like, you know, it's uh, I've been on every road that you can travel. Through the difference all. is, that wouldn't have been my way, but that is the way it was. Yeah. And you were actually smiling. Yeah. Could you say that that was one of the most perfect days of your life? That moment. <laughs> the perfect day started two years prior. The consolidation and getting all of that together. Yeah. That was the beginning of me saying, hey, wait a minute. Something else is happening to Tina here. That's yeah. what I, I talked to myself. So this, there's a movement coming here. Yeah. And then that day, just, would you say, summarized it? Yeah, yeah. That was it. Now I have a husband, and we will go the rest of our, rest of my way together. That's it. Perfect. <laughs> rest of my way together. Thank you. Good, good, good. Good, good, good. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.